We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless and let this word speak to your heart. I believe that the Lord wants to connect something in the spirit realm today. Amen. Amen. And if you're a guest today in this house, I want to say welcome home and we love you already. And this word is for you today as well. Because we love you already. No red tape. There's nothing you got to do for us to feel like you're already family. So as I begin to preach today, you just get right on in there with us. Whatever you need in your life, whatever you need in your situation, whatever you need in your heart, you didn't come to this place today by happenstance or circumstance or coincidence. But you're here today because no man cometh lest the Spirit draw him. And whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost, you just let it out. Amen. Now Jericho was straightly shut up. Jericho was buttoned up tight. Why? Because the children of Israel went out and none came in. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, see, I've given you into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and can pass the city and let him that is armed pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests and blew, that blew the trumpets. And the re-reward came after the ark, the priests going up and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I bid you shout. Then you're going to shout. Amen. This morning for just a few moments, if you'll allow me, I want to preach to you on this subject. The priest and the people. The priest and the people. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for your presence that we feel is so, so good. And I ask you now that you would just speak to us through your word, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also as well. And God, I pray today that you would use this word to grow us, mature us, inspire us, and encourage us. And God, we will be careful to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. And someone shout in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This story of Joshua and Jericho. If you've been to Sunday school, you've probably heard this story before. And, but 
I do not assume and do, neither do I make assumption today that everybody in the room knows the story in the Bible. So let me just take a few moments here and bring you kind of up to speed. The children of Israel have been in captivity and slavery, hardship slavery, for now over 450 years. God has delivered them, taken them through the Red Sea. They have escaped the hand and the grasp and the terrible, terrible tollage of Egypt. Now they have been delivered, and God is bringing them, as he has told them, to a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And it is a place where cities are already built, vineyards are already planted. The Lord told them, when you get there, you're going to eat out of fields that you didn't plant. You're going to drink wine from vineyards you did not plant. You're going to live in houses you did not build. You are going to plant and you're going to reap from fields that were already been done. The enemy has already prepared the place for you. Amen. This is what the book, this is what the book of Proverbs 13.22 talks about when it says, for the riches of the evil have been stored up for the righteous. He said, I've prepared a place for you, and it is the promised land. Not the promised land, the promised land. God promised them this land. It is your land. All you got to do is walk into the promised land. God told them, he said, you ain't going to have to fight. He told him, he said, you're not going to have to fight. I am going to take you in. I'm going to send the hornets before you. My spirit is going to go before you and is going to prepare the way. And I'm, I'm going to drive out the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Hivites and all the ites. I'm going to drive all the ites out. All the ites have got to go because this is your land and I've given it to you. It is your promised land. He said, this is the land that I promised your forefathers. This is the land that I promised Abraham. When Abraham sat in that place and Lot had taken, taken and set up and taken all the fine lands of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God said, in that moment, I told Abraham, Abraham, look, look, as far as you can see, and everywhere your feet touch, that's yours. And your children's children's children and generations to come will have this land. This is the promised land. And there are not just a few, there are millions of people marching towards that land. God has given them the land. And they send in spies to spy the land. And when they go in and they spy the land, they bring back the bounty of that land. They bring back all kinds of fruit and vegetables. And they're like, man, look, surely the Lord was not lying when he said this is a land that flows with milk and honey. God was right about the land. The only problem is, is God was wrong about us. They believed that God was right about the land, but wrong about them. They said, we are not able. To go over there, there are giants and there are walled cities and there are armies that number the sands of the sea. It's like, it's like flies. You cannot even count the armies and the camels and the swords and the spears and the men of war. There's no way that we uh, can go in there and do that. God was right about the land, but he was wrong about us. And the Bible says that those people believed an evil report. They were able to eat the fruit, but they believed the report. They ate the fruit of that land. They saw the fruit of that land, but they believed the report because your words are powerful. You can hand me, you can hand me what, is in that, what is in that land, hand, put in my hands the bountiful fruit of that land, but if you tell me I'm not able 
to take it, then I believe your words. Because when there is a word given, if the people will receive the word, that is when the word is efficacious unto you. Whether it be a good word or an evil word, it is up to you to decide it. They believed an evil report, even though Joshua and Caleb were saying, we are able. We got this. We can do this. We can. Let's go. Let's get together right now. But the people would not believe Caleb and Joshua. They believed the 10. The Bible called them the evil 10 who brought up an evil report of the land. And they believed that report. And so they decided we, we can do this. And because of their indecision standing between two things, God's promised land and the wilderness, God said, okay, because you have not believed me, and you believe the 10, and because you didn't believe the fruit of the land, but you believe the report of the 10, everybody over the age of 20 is going to die in this desert. And for 40 years, I know it may seem like a terrible, terrible punishment, but for 40 years, it took them 450 years to get Egypt in them, and it took them 40 years to get Egypt out. The murmuring and complaining, died in the desert they walked around in that desert for 40 years and God sustained them their holes never got shoes in them their clothes never tattered or tore God sustained them in that place and everybody over the age of 20 from that day that God said that time every one of them died in that desert never saw the promised land and I know to your maybe seeming surprise Moses died in that land as well Never seeing, never walking in the promised land. Just looking at it from across the way, from a mountain. Looking at what God had said it was his, but never touching what God had said was his. And Moses dies, and now God says it's time. Joshua, who brought a good report, is now the leader of the children of Israel. God has elevated him to this position, and he has taken the role of Moses, the priest of the people. That angel, as the Bible would talk about him, the leader of the people, and he tells Joshua, Joshua, get my people ready. We're going in. The time is now, and this is how it has to happen. And so God begins to deal with the heart of Joshua, and Joshua goes to the people, and he says, listen, here's the deal. We're going over, so you got to choose you this day whom you're going to serve. You're either going to serve the gods of the old way, the gods of the old past, or the gods of your fathers, the gods that you hid in your closet and buried underneath your mats in your tents. You can serve those gods, or you can serve the living God. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord God, Yahweh. Yeah, I am that I, that I am. And that is how we get to this point as they begin to go into that land. The first thing that they come upon is a walled city. A giant walled city. Seeming impossible and seeming impassable. You cannot get around this thing. It is massive. But what they don't understand is that inside the city, as they send spies into the city to check the city out, they meet a prostitute by the name of Rahab. Rahab says, oh, we knew y'all was coming. We're terrified. We know what God did for you at the Red Sea. And the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 6, in the beginning phrases of Joshua chapter 6, that the, the, the city was buttoned up tight. Shut up. Nobody went out. Nobody went in. They were terrified of the people of God. 
Ain't that, ain't, that, ain't that amazing that God's people are on one side of the river, terrified of them, and they're all inside the building, terrified of God's people. And now we got a standoff. We got a stalemate. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody moving because the enemy's scared and God's people are scared. And there is a gap fixed between them that can only be crossed when somebody makes a decision that we're going to go. We're going over. And so as the children of Israel begin to move into this place and they see this great city, God says, that city's mine. I want that city. Do not go around it. Do not go past it. You cannot do anything until you conquer this city. A great task for a people out the gate walking into their promise. Joshua, probably a man of war himself, understanding that Hey, we got, you know, we need ladders, we need ropes, we need catapults, we got to get the archers ready. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need some bazookas, I'm going to need some dynamite. You know, you know, anybody got a helicopter I could borrow? We, we, Joshua has a military mindset, so he's ready to do anything that God asked him to do. And God says, I need seven priests. Seven priests. That's what you need? I, I. I was looking for the bombs and guns. I was looking for some kind of tactical uh, situation here. And the first thing that God tells Joshua to get is seven priests. Seven priests. This is the first mention of God asking Joshua to do anything about Jericho. I need seven priests with seven trumpets. And I know in Joshua's mind, he's probably thinking, Lord, I don't know what you're doing right now. And if that wasn't crazy enough, he said, once you get them seven priests and those seven trumpets, I want you to get the Ark of the Covenant, have the priests behind the seven men with the seven trumpets, have them priests there. Then I want the armed men, the army, to go before them. And then I want the people to come after the Ark, and we're going to walk around it. We're just going to walk around it in a circle. I'm sure Joshua's mind is blown right now. And I can even imagine him telling the people, they're like, hey, what we're going to do? Do we need to get the ropes ready, get the ladders ready? We need to get, you know, arrows ready, you know, spears. You know, what do we need? Catapults? You know, what are we doing? He says, I need seven priests. And the people say, okay, we're in a war room right now. We need, like, war information. We need to talk about the blueprint because God's ways don't always look like our ways. Yeah. God's process doesn't always look like our process. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is not always going to do it like he did it yesterday. He may do a new thing today. The way that God works and the way that God's plans are does not always, does not always fit into the way that we think things should be done. But Joshua is willing to obey God. He's obeyed God up to this point and he's still alive when everybody else is dead. And so he's like, Lord, if you brought me here, I'm going to just obey you and do what you said do. And I need seven priests with seven trumpets. And God, God told me we're going to walk around this thing once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times. And at the end of the seventh time, those priests are going to blow those trumpets. Now, if you read the word and you understand Joshua 6, you understand that the priest blew the trumpets the whole time. Yeah. The, from day one to day seven, they were blowing them trumpets. They were tooting on those horns the whole time that they marched. And 
if it, you seem that it seemed crazy to the children of Israel, just imagine being in Jericho and looking over the walls and thinking, these folks is crazy. I'm sure on day one, they were probably thinking, well, they're just, you know, looking. They're just, they're seeing if they can find a way in. You know, you know, maybe they're just casing the joint, as we would call it today. You know, maybe they're just casing the place. But day two, they were like, well, they're doing the same thing. Day three, they're probably like, eh, this is getting a little crazy. By day four, I'm sure people were like, okay, this is just wild. Because they're just walking. They're just walking. And the enemy is confused about what they're doing. See, the enemy is always confused when we just walk in obedience to God. Do you want to confuse the enemy today? Just walk in obedience to God. Because the enemy can't handle when the children of God just walk in the obedience of God. What God said do, do that. It may not make sense to you. It may not make sense to your neighbor. And it definitely ain't going to make sense to the enemy. But when you're walking in the favor and you're walking in the obedience of God, it may look crazy to everybody else. But you got to say, hey, I'm just doing what God told me to do. And I'm just walking. I'm just waiting. Ah. You see, but when you begin to obey God, something is shifting in the atmosphere. When you begin to obey God, something is changing. And the whole time, they're blowing those trumpets. I don't know what they were blowing. I don't know. But they were blowing those trumpets the whole time. Because God, when God does something, he always does it noisy. God is not a silent God. We're not serving a silent God. We're serving a God that likes to make some noise. Every time God's about to do something, there's some noise involved. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven, a sound. When God comes, he always comes with a sound. That's why we ought to not have quiet church and quiet worship. And this is a sanctuary, not a library. We came in here to make some noise for the Lord because when God wants to get something done, he makes some noise. When those four leprous men who sat by the gate, who said, why sit we here till we die, started marching down to the enemy's camp, the Bible said God calls their feet to sound like chariots and horses and footmen. And there was a noise of chariots and a noise of horses and a noise of army. Because your march may seem feeble, but when God magnifies your march, the devil has to... My march may seem weak and my march may seem feeble, but when God magnifies my march, something happens in the spirit realm. My feet may not make a sound, but the magnification of the majesty of God, he said, I'll magnify the march. Yeah. And they're just walking in obedience, but God's doing something. God's doing something. They, the people walked in silence, but the priest walked in a proclamation. The priests were in front and the priests were proclaiming as they went. They were preparing the way of the Lord. And that's what I do every Sunday. When I stand in this place and proclaim the word of God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm preparing the way of the Lord. The words that I speak hold no, no efficacious benefit for you if you don't receive the word that I speak. Yeah. 
there has to be a communication between the pulpit and the pew when the pulpit makes a proclamation the pew has to receive that word or it can benefit you nothing it can make no difference just because you heard it doesn't count just because you heard it doesn't count did you receive it when you receive it something really begins to happen when you really begin to receive that word God God as powerful and as mighty and as majestic as God is, God never created anything with his mouth closed. God said, let there be light. God said, let the sun and the moon be separate. God said, let the earth bring forth fruit. God said, Ah, God said. And if God had to say something to get something, what makes us think we can be quiet and get anything? You got to say something. You got to shout something. You got to proclaim something. You got to declare something. Oh, yeah. And Joshua told the people, Joshua told the people, we're going to walk. And this whole time we're walking and the priests are proclaiming, I want you to be silent. I want you to be silent because, because, because God, God's working on something right now. So as the priests are blowing the trumpet in Zion, I want you just to, just to walk. Just walk and obey. You can't, sometimes you can't, you can't always shout. You can't always proclaim. Sometimes you just got to walk and hear the word of the Lord because there is coming a time. Yeah, you got to hear God's word so you can respond to God's word. When you understand what God is doing, they may have not understood it on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, or halfway through day seven. But Joshua told him, when I tell you to, when you hear the priest blow a long blast, that's what the Bible called it, a long blast. When you hear the priest blow a long blast, I want you to shout with all you got. And when the priest and the people made a connection in the spirit realm... Can I preach to you for just a little while? I don't care how good the priest is. The priest needs the people to join him in proclamation. I don't care how good the word is. The word needs the people to join them in proclamation. I don't care how good the pastor is. The pastor is nothing without the people. If there's going to be a proclamation, then there needs to be an affirmation from the people of God. I know you can shout with the music, and I love the music. I think we ought to have more music. I think we need a bigger choir. I love it. I'm the first one up, and I love every moment of it. But if you can worship with the song, you ought to be able to worship with the word. If you can shout with the song, you ought to be able to shout with the word. Why? Because if the pastor and the pew ever make a connection in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. What good is it if I declare something if the people will not respond to the declared word? When the priests blow the trumpet a long blast, if the people shout, the walls will come down. And I come to declare to you today, if the priest gives a proclamation, if the people will give an affirmation, God will do a demonstration. 
Oh, hallelujah. And I come to proclaim to you today. I don't know if you're ready to shout, but I came to proclaim on the long blast. I came to proclaim with the word of the Lord that God is going to help you. God is going to save you. God is going to bring you out. Your family will be saved. Your children will come back home. You will be healed in Jesus' name. God will bring you out of addiction. Help your mind. Heal your body. Touch your spirit. If you believe it, you ought to shout. I feel the walls coming down. I feel the chains being broken. Satan, you're a liar. When the people shout with the proclaimed word of God, there is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Hey, somebody just shouted over your family, shouted over your future, shouted over your ministry, shouted over your calling, shouted over your children, shouted over your mind, shouted over your body. I will be healed. I will come out. God will make a way. Shout with the word. There must be an affirmation for there to be a demonstration. There's got to be affirmation. There's, I, I didn't come today to preach to you so that I can feel better or you can make me feel like I'm a good preacher. I'm just here to tell you that the priest can't do nothing without the people. I proclaim over this city. I proclaim over this city. I proclaim over this city. Salvation, healing, renewing, restoring. I proclaim it. Who's going to shout it? Who's going to join me? Who's going to shout? Who's going to shout with the preacher? Who's going to shout with the proclamation uh, there's got to be a connection there's got to be a connection and I'm gonna tell you right now this word is so powerful today that even those that are watching on the live stream sitting in your living room right now driving down the road maybe in a hospital room if you were just to proclaim with the word we ain't even got to be in the same place because the word of God is God. Just proclaim it right now. Shout, 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 shout. It shall be done. It shall be done. It shall, the walls are coming down. The walls in your family are coming down. The walls in your marriage are coming down. The walls in your mind are coming down. God wants to heal you. God wants to save you. God wants to redeem you. And every wall that the devil tried to build to stop you is coming down now in Jesus' name. Uh. Uh, the greatest mistake hear me the greatest mistake that the church ever made was disconnecting the pulpit from the pew when we made the pastor the glorified God of our world and we disconnected the pulpit and the pew and we made this place so sacred made it so sacred that the word coming forth need to be reverenced in some kind of way that we could not even connect with it. That, that, that most saints of God, most pew, most people could not even really realize what the pastor was even preaching because there was a separation of pulpit and pew. 
We, we, we with power elevated our status to a place that we're no longer with the people anymore. We don't even know what the people are going through. But I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I'm not that kind of pastor. This ain't this, that, that ain't this kind of church. I'm saying I can't do it without you. I need the pew. I need the people to shout with me. When I proclaim, shout with me. When I preach, shout with me. When I declare, shout with me. Because if we do, every devil in hell will be broken by the power of a church where the priest and the people are connected in the Holy Ghost. Somebody in this room is being delivered even now because the word is being brought forth and the people shout. And when the people shout, the walls come down. He said, he told him, oh. listen, when, when David wanted God's presence back in the tabernacle, you see the entire tenure of Saul, there was no Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle. The whole time Saul was king, there was no Ark in there. The Ark was lost. The Ark was lost by Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas lost the Ark because they brought the Ark because they thought the Ark was going to do something special. They thought the Ark was a genie in the bottle and they could rub it and God would come out and do some great work. They did not reverence God's presence. They wanted God's provision but not his presence. And so they lost the Ark. They lost the Ark. And the whole time that Saul was the king, he didn't care. They still had church, no glory. Still had priests, no glory. They were still in there burning incense, no glory. The candlesticks were still burning, Brother Jeff, no glory. But when David became king, when he finally became king over Judah and Israel, he said, I'm not having church without glory. Let's go get the glory. And, and guess where it was? Right down the street. Right down the street. All they had to do was just go get it at any time. It was not being held. They had to fight no battles to go get it. Nobody was holding it because nobody can hold. They tried to hold it, but every time they put it in their tabernacle, their gods would fall and break in the presence of God. So they just left it. They said, man, we, we don't want it. They had, the, the, the Bible says that when they tried to keep it, that they, they got hemorrhoids. They said, we don't want it. You, you can have it. This thing is terrible. They could have went and got it at any time, but they didn't go get it. So David said, here we go, we're going to go get it. And David wasn't aware of the old ways because we have to remember, David, not a priest. David, not a Levite. He wasn't raised in that way. So David didn't have understanding. So David said, man, let's get an ox and a cart. Let's put it on there, and we're going to bring it home. On the way home, the, the ox tripped. And the, the cart moved and the ark shifted. Uzzah put his hand out. When he touched it, God killed him. David went home sad. They left the Ark of the Covenant at Obed-Edom's house. David went home sad. He was upset. He was like, God, I don't understand what's going on. The thing displeased David. What the Bible said. The thing displeased David. He was like, God, I just don't understand. When they came to David, they said, David, Obed-Edom is blessed. His house is blessed. His fields are great. His neighbors are blessed. People, people that live in his zip code are blessed because you can't help but be blessed around God's presence. And the Bible said, David, watch this. The Bible said, David began to rejoice. Listen, listen. You cannot expect to get 
what you will not rejoice that other people have. Ain't nobody want to preach back to the preacher right there. In order, in order to go get it, you need to rejoice with the people that got it. So, so David, David started rejoicing that Obed-Edom was blessed, and he went and got it. But this time he said, listen, no ox, no cart. Matter of fact, get me an ox for every six steps, and we're going to kill an ox every six steps we take. And I don't need an ox, and I don't need a cart. And the only way to get God's presence from here to where it needs to be is we need priest. Bring me the priest. Bring me the ones who will carry the weight of the glory on their shoulders. Give me the people that don't mind carrying the weight of God's glory. And they went and got the priest. And he told the people, he said, I want you people to go before the ark. I want you to bring your tambourines and I want you to dance and I want you to shout. And as the people went before the ark, the ark followed on the shoulders of the priest and every six steps which is the number of man God made man on the sixth day they made a sacrifice because until you kill your flesh the glory of the Lord ain't coming and they begin to do that and they marched it all the way from Obed-Edom's house all the way into the kingdom and when they came into Jerusalem David said everybody that got paid today you can go home now with pay go ahead and go home I don't need no dancers I'm going to dance this thing myself and David took off his crown and David did not dance naked before the Lord he just took off his his kingly robe and he took off his kingly garments and he danced before the Lord in a linen ephod he stripped down he said when I'm around you I'm the king but when I'm around him I'm just David And David got his praise on him. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the house of the Lord. Why? Because we need the priest and we need the people. We need the priest and we need the people. We need the priest and we need the people. This church ain't nothing without the people. My message ain't nothing without the people. My power ain't nothing without the people. My proclamation ain't nothing without the people. I need the people to agree. Agree with me. Agree with me. Shout amen. So be it. Let it be done. I believe it, pastor. Preach it, pastor. That's the word, pastor. That's for me. He said, he said I want you to be quiet until the time. Now listen, you may come here next week and not hear your word. You may come here next month and not hear your word. You may not hear your word all week long, but you need to be in church because you never know when your word is going to get preached. And when you hear your word for your situation, when you hear your word for your family, when you hear your word for your ministry, you ought to say, yes, that's my word. And I don't, I, I'm preaching to everybody. I said I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching to everybody today, myself included. When we hear the sound of the trumpet, we ought to join it with a shout. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. He said, when the walls fall down, he said, when you shout, when, when, when those priests on the seventh day, seventh time around, seven priests, Seven trumpets. Tell me God ain't organized. Don't, 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 don't come at me with some crazy stuff, unorganized mess. God is organized. 
Seven days, seven time around, seven priests, seven trumpets, 28. That's the number there. Seven times four, 28. 28 elders in heaven. 28. He said seven, seven days, seven times around. On the seventh day, seven times around, seven priests, seven trumpets. When you hear them blow that trumpet, you shout with them. You join them in proclamation. There's a proclamation. There's an affirmation. God does the demonstration. God works the miracle. He said, when the walls fall, let the people go up. He said, just tell them to go up. He said, every man, watch this, every man where he is. Every man where he stands. When the walls come down, you can't change your position now. You got to go up right where you are. Whatever location you're in, come up right there. So, somebody may have come up and been in the back of somebody's barn. Somebody may have come up and been, been, been in the courtyard. Somebody may have come up and been in the back side of the palace. Somebody may have come up and walked right into where all the army was gathered. Didn't matter. Everybody was in the right place at the right time. And when it's time to go up, don't worry about where you are, baby. Just go up. So when Pastor Chavis, I'm not where I need to be. Go up. Pastor Chavis, I'm, I'm waiting. No, 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 don't wait. Go up now. If the walls fall, go up. Go up now. Hear the word of this preacher today. I don't care where you are, what your life looks like, what you got going on in your world. If the walls come down today, it's time to go up and receive everything that God has for you. Go up, go up, go up, go up, go up. I'm not ready. Go up. I'm not where I need to be. Go up. Things are what I need to be. Go up. That means every, every day you're marching, you got to get ready to go up. Now, music, music, you get ready. I'm, I'm almost done. As those children of Israel looking over the edge, watching them people march around one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. On, on, on the seventh day, they don't go home. They march around again and again and again and again. They just keep marching as they look around. The armed men are up front, right? The seven priests with the seven trumpets are behind the army. The priests with the, with the Ark of the Covenant are behind them, and then the people are behind them. But if you start marching around in a circle for a while, no one knows where it starts and where it ends. Because it seems like the army may not be in the front. The army may be in the back. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant may, I mean, if it's a circle, no one knows who's really leading this thing. It just, it just were all encamped around about in a circle. And, and there are some times where we march in a straight line, where we know who's in charge. And, and we know, oh, they're leading us and we're following this thing. But when there is a thing that needs to be torn down in the spirit realm, the church can't be worried about who's in front. When, when, when there's a ser serious situation in the spirit realm and God needs to tear that thing down, the church cannot be bickering and fighting over who's leading this thing. 
We can't be sitting around saying, oh, is he greater than him? Oh, Lord, who's greater? Who's greater? He said, oh, I'll tell you who's greatest. He that can serve. He that can, he that can stand in any place in the whole room and just serve. He's the greatest. And I say that we surround the city of Loganville in the spirit. And I don't care who's up front or who's in the back. I don't even care where I'm at. Watch this. As the people started looking over, they couldn't see who was leading. So they didn't know where to attack. If they wanted to throw a stone over, if they wanted to shoot an arrow, who would they shoot at? Because it just looks like we're all together. We confuse the enemy with our unity. The enemy don't know where to get in. If you've ever seen a pack of wolves try to attack a herd of buffalo, what the buffalo will do is they will all back up to each other and they get in a circle. So on, the only thing that's out and exposed are the horns. And they get out and they back up in the circle and no one cares who's leading then. When the wolf attacks, no one cares who's in charge. No one cares who has the name badge. No one cares who's got the office. No, because it's time to stand together and it's time for unity and let's get in this circle and let's walk and let's march and let's proclaim and let's shout until the walls come down. When you shout, the walls are going to come down. When the pastor declares the proclaimed word of God, here's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, and I believe it's verse 2. Hebrews 4, 2 says this, And the same gospel was preached unto them, but it profited them nothing, seeing as they did not mix it with faith. They heard it. They heard it, but they didn't do nothing with it. It did not even help them. Because when they heard it, they didn't put it in the bowl and mix it. <laughs> so when you hear the word, if you'll mix with it, if you'll get involved in it, if you'll connect with it. Stop worrying about where you are in the circle. Just be glad you're in the circle. I'm just going to mix it with faith. I'm going to mix it. Paul said it like this. Stir up the gift that is within thee. Just mix it. Just mix it. Just mix it. Mix it into your life. Mix it into your daily walk. Mix it into your family. Mix it into your mind. Mix it into your spirit. When you get the word, say amen. That's my word. I agree. We got to agree because we're two or three. Agree. Touching anything, they shall have it. One can put a thousand to flight, but two, you can put 10,000 to flight. They made a mistake. They made a mistake when they put Paul and Silas in prison. The mistake that they made was not the bonds. The mistake that they made was not the whipping. The mistake that they made was not 
hooking their feet into the stocks. The mistake they made is they did not separate them. <laughs> you got to keep them separated. <laughs> because when the people of God got together, just two, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. So what did Paul and Silas do at midnight? They just began to proclaim. They began to shout. They began to sing praises unto God. God, you're worthy. You're worthy of it all. I glorify you. All of my fear, I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance. I'll dance. And when they started praising and the people and the priest got together, something happened in the spirit realm. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Singers can come, get ready. We're going to sing in a minute. But before we do all that, I want us to just take a moment right here. I want you to think about what you need in the Holy Ghost. I want you to think about what God. I want you to see those walls. Would you look up and would you see those walls that are round about you? Those, th th those walls that the enemy may have built or the walls that you built. I don't care I don't care if you built the walls, the enemy built the walls, the devil built the walls, your family built the walls, your auntie and them built the walls. I don't care. Who built the walls? The walls are walls. And I want you to think about those things in your life that block you. Whether it be friends, family, addiction. I, I rebuke addiction in the name of Jesus. I don't, in the... In the nine o'clock service, in the nine o'clock service, I, I, I kept saying that word addiction, and every time I said it, I felt the twins of the Holy Ghost in my spirit. I rebuke addiction in this house today. I feel the twins in my spirit right there when I said it. I'm gonna respond to what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I come against the addiction of pornography. I come against the addiction of nicotine. I come against the addiction of drugs. I come against the addiction of pills. I come against addiction. I pray in the name of Jesus that somebody would be set free right now. And as I proclaim it, you ought to shout. And I rebuke depression, anxiety, stress, malice. I come against it in the name of Jesus. I proclaim that it is broken in your mind, broken in your family, broken in your children. I rebuke depression amongst our young people, suicidal thoughts. I come against it in the name of Jesus and I proclaim it and you ought to shout. The walls came down. Do you feel the Holy Ghost right there? I come against pain. I come against arthritis. I come against cancer. I come against sickness and disease. I proclaim it right now. And you ought to shout. I come against woundedness and brokenness and loneliness and darkness and pain. And you ought to shout. Just respond to the Holy Ghost right now. Just respond to what you feel in the Holy Ghost.
we want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.